Oh, hey there, folks. You're listening to another episode of He Wave Radio's A Classic Movies Live. On today's episode, we have once again consulted the wheel of movies to determine what it is we're going to watch today. And the wheel has spoken uh, probably two episodes ago, which is a couple of weeks now. And it said Funny Girl, the debut movie featuring Barbara Streisand. Uh, directed by William Wyler, who directed Ben-Hur. That'll be important later. And also starring Omar Sharif. So, Pierre and I watched this movie. And um, it will surprise absolutely no one, but it's pretty good. How good? In what ways? You will have to tune in to find out. But one thing that I really liked about this movie that we talk a little bit about at the end, uh, so I won't say too, too much about it, but um, this movie starts with four minutes of a completely black screen while an overture plays. Uh, originally, I wanted to start this episode off the same way, but I think that if I use four minutes, if I use the entire overture in, uh, in a, like with nothing on top of it, um, I don't know if that's uh, going to get me in really hot water, because technically this is a review of the movie, and reviewing the overview is uh, important to that review. Um, so I can kind of use that, but I'm just going to use a little bit of it. So as, uh, you know, now I have a little bit of, a, of, an, of an actual intro with words, as opposed to what I originally wanted to do, which was four minutes of music with uh, no guarantee you're listening to the right thing in the first place. But uh, with all of that, I'm too verbose these days. Here's the overture from Funny Girl. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about classic movies. Uh, and for us, Pierre, it's it's live, just not for our audience, which is a little sad. I kind of wish they could be here with us. So sad. But uh, anyway, this is our latest movie that we're talking about because of the wheel of movies, which like, I mean, when we introduced it, I was like, this can be the entire format of our show. And I think in general, we've managed to talk about it might have been as many as 10 movies, thanks to the Wheel of Movies. I don't remember for sure, but like, it's it's not that many. Yeah. Wait, I, I zoned out what you said. <laughs> oh, I was saying, I was saying we brought back the Wheel of Movies. Uh, oh, yeah. For weeks ago. The Barbastration like, Wheel. Yeah. So yeah. last week, uh, well, not last week. It was a couple of weeks ago now. But the uh, the movie that came up on the wheel was a Barbara Streisand movie. And like, where better to start than with her very first movie ever, Funny Girl, 
So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, Pierre, do you know anything about Funny Girl? Or did you know anything about Funny Girl before you watched it? I knew it was on Netflix. Nice. Because that's, you told me. I mean, that's that's like important information, right? Yeah. It definitely made me happy. Um, but uh, were you were you aware that this was based on an existing musical? No. I... I barely knew it was a musical. I mean, I saw Barbara Streisand. I know she's famous for singing or something. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what she's. I don't. I for some reason she seems like such a big presence in my mind, but I've never really given her much thought. I mean, this is just a little bit of a sidetrack, but I listen to CBC a lot, and I used to listen to um, uh, Randy Bachman's hour show that he has on on Saturdays. And Randy Bachman, like, I love him for it. This is not a dig at all. But, like, he's such a relentless name dropper. Like, any time that he can talk about having met someone famous, he does on his show. And it's kind of awesome. But on one show, he was like, uh, you know, we used to play bars, and we went to this one bar one time, and we played it. And guess who was working there that night? That's right, it was Barbara Streisand. Before she was famous, we met Barbara Streisand that night in the bar. And it's Whoa. like it, it, it was a really funny story just because of how nothing the story was, but he did meet Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I I mean, hey, if I was to meet Barbara, actually, I don't know if I would name drop that. I don't know if that'd be that. That no, um, I mean, like it's. I mean, I'm sure it was very cool before. I I definitely would never be able to say I met Barbara Streisand before she was famous because she was famous long before I was born. But that's true. You know, If I met Barbara Streisand, I'd probably brag about it. Honestly, if I met, like, if I met, like, I don't know, the girl who plays Veronica on Riverdale, I would brag about it. So, like. (laughs) So, literally anyone is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, can't think of any celebrities that would, I think it'd just be weird to be like, hey, I knew this, I talked to this person once. I don't really know who I they mean, are, but, you know. A story I used to bring up, like, with a lot of fondness was I went to go see the band I Wrestled a Bear once. Uh, I went to go see them uh, when they had their first singer, and I was right up front, and the singer spat in my hair. Oh, wow. It was kind of gross, but I was a little proud of it. <laughs> and now everyone who listens to our show knows that story. That's I it. Mean, that's all. That's the whole story. Yeah, and if they ever need to DNA test them, then you got you got the sample. Well, not I anymore. Guess. I've oh, washed yeah. my hair a couple of times since then. That's unfortunate. You really shouldn't do that. Anyway, yeah, I, I should have just gone like ten years with without <laughs> washing my hair. It's been done. Um. So, like, Funny Girl before it was a movie. It was a pretty successful Broadway play. I actually, or Broadway musical. I don't actually know. I was saying a little bit before uh, the episode, like I unfortunately cannot speak on it with the expert authority that I know a lot of Broadway people could, but it's like pretty notable. It, uh, it premiered in 1964 with Barbara Streisand and um, had a huge run I don't know if people actually liked it that much. Like, I think a lot of their critical reviews of it at the time were like, it's fine, but Barbara Streisand is amazing and she's going places. And she sure as hell was. Yeah, uh, I mean, watching this, what, you said she wasn't 
she wasn't that famous before it or she may have been famous like she'd done she had done at least one television special before this movie premiered okay. she'd been on broadway she'd been nominated for a tony award twice before this movie premiered and like i'm gonna assume yeah she had a couple of albums out so she was a name but she wasn't like she wasn't a big name in Hollywood because this is her first movie that she was ever in. So like, obviously not for that reason, but I don't know that she was a big name before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, uh, this, this movie I could definitely tell would be, I mean, it's literally the plot of the movie too, is, uh, someone, a Barbra Streisand type becoming famous, uh, and that is Barbara Streisand. Like this movie was basically the equivalent of her life, I guess, acting in this movie in a way where she's given a huge opportunity and she really, she really takes it away. So. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll probably come back to it, but like, that's an interesting point that like, so this movie is very, it's, it's technically a biopic because it's about the American comedian, uh, Fanny Bryce who was a real person who existed, but yeah. like, and like, well, I don't know when just, this was placed, the late, late 1800s, I want to say early, 1900s? early 1900s, okay. but like Fanny Bryce was big in the thirties. I think this is oh, well okay. before the thirties, but that's when Fanny Bryce was like big. So this yeah. movie probably ends in the thirties, but um, yeah, I guess like, it's kind of interesting that you say that. Cause yeah, it's about Fanny Bryce, but it's actually kind of about Barbara Streisand. Well, yeah, it's it's quite. I mean, it feels, um, like I I actually I read this thing on Wikipedia. This is the only thing I remember where the act, the director, had uh, Barbara Streisand in his head when he was mm -hmm. casting it or writing it. And when he cast it, he was like, "There's no one else. There's no one else I could I could take in in this role." And it made a lot of sense because, um, again, I know nothing about Barbara Streisand, but she seemed to fit in this role like a glove you know mm -hmm. um like it's not obviously i wouldn't say it's like the best like an amazing performance or whatever but it just it felt very natural for her oh yeah <clears throat> yeah actually like you know what's kind of interesting like a little little piece of trivia here barbara streisand also played in um i think the second remake of a star is born in 1976 and like oh, wow. i haven't I've not seen that one yet, but the most recent remake of A Star Is Born is is about Lady Gaga or is with Lady Gaga, and like, there's a real. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say that movie is about Lady Gaga and her career, but like, it's clearly informed by the fact that Lady Gaga is an actual pop star who's now in acting, and like, is playing an up and coming pop star in that movie, yeah. and like. I, I think it's kind of interesting that like Barbara Streisand is the person that was in the last version of A Star is Born who has a very different but like similar story. Yeah. I will say though that like uh wait did was she did she like have a singing career first Barbara Streisand at all? So like I know she was in plays you said, right? So like she had several albums out by the time that this movie came out but like her her debut album is in 1963 
This movie comes out in 1966, I think. 1968. So, like, she'd had five years of... She'd had five years of records before this album came out. And she was... In, or before this movie came out. And she'd been on Broadway twice, at least. Maybe, okay. maybe more than that, but nominated for a Tony twice. So, so she like, did... Uh, I was oh, going to say, was, uh, like... What I found impressive about, because I, I know going into it, I just assumed she was a singer, honestly. So I was like, surprised mm -hmm. to see her acting, right? Um, but like, I think with Lady Gaga, who I also knew just mostly as a singer, when I, I really, I did feel more that she was, um, she was there because she can sing, right? I mean, Lady Gaga was great on the role, I think, but I still felt yeah. it was like a pop star role. You know? Yeah. Um, whereas Barbara Streisand, I I felt like she was an act, actor first in this movie almost. Like it's like she had been, she was like a, a veteran, if that makes sense. Barbara Streisand, like she really gives me the vibe of when I think of like really old Hollywood or like really old theater, whatever. I always think of like vaudeville performers who in order to get on stage you got to be able to act you got to be able to sing you got to be able to present an entire show and like you know the really good vaudeville performers can do everything and they're at home in hollywood they're at home in new york they're like wherever and like barbara streisand gives me those kind of vibes where she's like she can do everything you just have to tell her what to do and she'll do it yeah but like in a good way Oh, no, yeah, that's, I mean, I feel like that's um, a quality that is increasingly, like, I would say more rare to find. I don't know how to say it, like, because I feel like you have a lot more diverse artists now than before, mm -hmm. but also, like, in some ways, it's it's become much more collaborative, if that makes sense, um, in terms of what they're doing, like, like, for example, like Elvis, you can look at Elvis. He was, he was a very big actor slash singer. I don't know if he was a great actor, actually. To be fair, I've I've heard he wasn't, but I haven't seen any oh. of his movies. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like very, you you could tell. Well, I, okay, I I feel like I'm kind of talking out of hand now because I I don't know enough about Barbara Streisand to say so, or enough about that era in general, but. Like, I find it very, I, I can't think of any great musicians that are also great actors, if that makes sense, right now. I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like it's pretty rare, because, like, <clears throat> I love seeing Kid Cudi in any movie I see him in, but I also still <laughs> always think of him as Kid Cudi, the rapper, yeah, before yeah. I think of him as Kid Cudi, the actor. Like, the only one I, I truly feel like... Uh, transcended the genres or the mediums was like donald glover but mm -hmm. i even I, I don't feel like he ever really peaked in either in either uh medium if that makes sense like he's an all right actor i would never call him a great actor in anything and he's like a pretty good musician but i wouldn't say he's like an amazing musician you know mm -hmm. um yeah but I, I feel like maybe you could say that about barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. potentially yeah she's i mean at least in this movie i don't i can like yeah, i'm like that's totally the, throwing a bunch of stuff out there but yeah that's the thing too is like i haven't listened to that much barbara streisand music like she's an amazing singer in this movie and i have no doubt that her discography is incredible 
but I don't yeah. know it. So I can't yeah. like, I can't say like, she's <clears throat> fantastic as both a singer and an actor. I think I'm just going over the, like, I, I've never, I can't, I don't know, I've probably heard a couple of her things, but I think that's impressive that, you know, her career has lasted this long. And I still know who she is. And I know, even though I've probably never even heard of, like, like I've never seen her movies until now. And I've, I can't, I couldn't like name any songs off the top of my head, but I still know who she is. I mean, like, I mean, that's, that's why this was on the wheel, right? I don't think I, I think I have seen a Barbara Streisand. Oh, no, I definitely have because I found out after I'd seen this movie that she was actually in, uh, Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers, which I have seen. So like, I have have clearly seen her, but like, I, I definitely would not have been like, that's Barbara Streisand when I saw that because one, I was way too young to like care. And two, if that's not the movie you watch, yeah, if you yeah. want to watch a Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara Streisand, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, um, yeah, so, I don't know, Barbara Streisand pretty cool. So, uh, speaking of Barbara Streisand, Funny Girl. You want to tell us what this movie's about, uh, Pierre? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, actually, no. Honestly, it's a pretty straightforward plot. It's Barbara Streisand is uh, Fanny attempting Bryce. Fanny Bryce. Sorry, is trying is in as a uh, has dreams of stardom and she wants to be on stage, but she hasn't really had much success with things um, until one day someone gives her a chance to be part of a rollerblade show, and she ends up becoming accidentally like a massive success with the audience even because she could not uh rollerblade but she was funny uh Mm -hmm. hence a funny girl and um this uh you know the movie kind of tells a tale of her rising rising up as a star um and okay well now that i'm in her mind but i'm gonna say something right after but uh rising as a star and she falls in love with uh this guy can you tell me his name i know you're looking uh, up the page the actor's name is omar sharif omar sharif. Uh, the wasn't it name like of the character is nikki arnstein nikki nick nick yeah nikki um and she falls in love with uh a gambler or like a businessman slash kind of gambler named nikki i don't really know how to describe his role i mean really he's a man with a problem <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> and um, basically, their their love takes up the rest of the movie, and you kind of see the complications of uh, her being in a relationship, yet also very successful. Um, especially at the time, I guess, when women weren't usually like the breadwinners of a family ever. Yeah, um, although, like, well, I'll, I'll say it after. And kind, I guess, kind of the fallout of uh, her relationship in some ways. And her growing a lot as a person. That, that's like, basically the plot. Actually, surprisingly, Nicky Arnstein growing a lot as a person. Like, we're going to sideline him a lot today, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But he, Nicky Arnstein is like a major character in this who has a lot of development and is really well fleshed out. He's just having to live in the shadow of Fanny Bryce, where yeah. Omar Sharif, weirdly enough, who I don't know if you knew this, but like, Omar Sharif was huge at the time. Uh, I yeah, think I his 
I think he might have been coming off of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which like, yeah, he was coming off of Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago, which are like insanely oh, wow. huge movies. Okay, yeah. Well, I haven't seen those, so that explains a lot. Um, but like, he was, I was saying off screen, like, or off screen, off air, that like, there's a real chance that Omar Sharif was specifically cast in this movie so that people would come see it because he had that kind of star power. You would yeah, not know he, it watching this movie afterwards. He, uh, I mean, it's not fair. Like, Barbara Streisand yeah. takes so much of the screen that it's tough to notice him. I also, I, I don't know. I, I feel like his role was very understated on purpose. He was meant to be a very suave person, but I feel like I feel like the the balance there was a little weird. Like, I would have liked more like intimate real moments between them i feel like we never really got those moments in the movie but it might also be because i was kind of like i thought a lot of their relationship felt fake which i think was also the point of the movie though where um she like uh barbara streisand was just basically she had a massive crush on this guy and she fell for him and um he admired her in a lot of ways but i feel like they never really like loved each other truly if that makes sense because they were both learning a lot about i guess they they learned a lot about what love was with each other mm -hmm. you know but they never really connected yeah it's kind of i mean like you said it's not fair because a lot of the things that you brought up as flaws of his character like legitimately are but the problem is they're also intentional like he doesn't have that many character moments because a big part of his character is that he's never around like they are always a missed connection and like he's a con man by nature so yeah she has a massive crush on him but like and and he's super suave because that's literally what he does like that's how he makes his money is by conning other people and being super suave about it yeah so like um i feel like you could you could make an entire movie about that character and in fact, that movie has been made. I'm pretty sure that's the plot of The Hustler. But like, <laughs> it either has to be entirely about him or he's not as good of a character as like the, char- the, the, movie, the, the character the movie's actually about. Because like, if you don't focus entirely on the con man, the whole point of the con man is that he's never around for long enough that you can pin the con on him. Yeah, exactly. And uh I don't know. It's a lot. It's a very, um, I mean, the whole movie almost feels like a dream. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like with the, the main characters, like meteoric rise in fame throughout the movie and somehow everything just works out for her. Even she, I think what she mentions that in the movie too, like everything's going right. Like I, I thought I'd suffer more because before becoming successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's like, oh, you'll have time to suffer later, which she, I guess she does. <laughs> I guess. I um, mean, there's an entire sequel to this movie, and, like, I assume that sequel deals with suffering. With like, suffering, it has to, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, she still didn't really suffer that much. Like, her fame came very naturally to her. Mm-hmm. She never really had to fight much for it. Um, but I guess the... Uh, yeah, I... I the, the, there were aspects that I, I wish um, were different, but also, yeah, that was the point of the movie, where the chemistry wasn't the strongest. I, I feel like with Barbara Streisand too, I wish we got more intimate moments with her as a character too, just because I feel like she's 
I mean, her character works really well, but I think the problem is it's such a long movie that I kind of grew tired of it after a while. And again, that's all, again, that's part of the movie because she's, I, I feel like she's kind of in her own way, putting on a facade the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, they never, I don't think they ever really blatant, like they, they, they mention a lot that she's insecure about her looks. Um, and that she, she just sees herself as more of a funny person. Right. But Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can, like reading between the lines, um, you can tell it really bothers her, which is that she isn't more beautiful and she is she can't be taken more seriously, which is why she falls in love with probably the most serious man or like the most attractive like uh, man that takes himself seriously that she could find, even though he also is playing a con on himself the whole time too, mm-hmm. which is ironic where he's not actually. You know, he's he's a very rich, suave person filled with insecurity and dread because he makes all his money from gambling, basically. Mm-hmm. And he never knows, like, or like, I mean, anyone that gambles for a living, they'll never, like, know any true security because they could lose it all just like that at any moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that contrast is interesting. I just, I wish it was maybe a little shorter because her character does get a little grating after a while because it's it's very repetitive, which is the point, but also, like, I think it kind of hurts the movie pacing-wise. Well, I think, like, <clears throat> hearing you say that, I think, like, with this movie, I can totally understand, like, I, I totally understand the people who went to the Broadway play and were like, it's it's okay, but Barbara Streisand is amazing because that's kind of my thoughts on it, too. Like, I think this movie has really strong themes and it has a lot of potential and like it doesn't use that potential the way it could. Cause like it's, it's really cool to think of like, you know, Fanny Bryce and Nikki Arnstein are both very self-conscious in their own ways. And they're both basically for their entire lives putting on an act. And that's kind of, that's an interesting dynamic to explore. And like, it's there, but like, it's not explored beyond how the actors want to explore it. It's never explored in the script. The script like talks about Fanny Bryce from when she was like 19 to when she was like 35, which is just way too long. Like don't focus on that much time in a biopic because you have, you dilute all of it that way. Yeah. Like by the end, she's got, by the end it's like, she's got a successful career and Nikki Arnstein feels uh, less like less of a man for it because that was the social dynamics of the time. And like up until that point, that's never really addressed. And then all of a sudden it's like a major theme and it's interesting, but it's like, it, it, it doesn't really come out of nowhere. It's just like very surface level. So there's so much in this movie that's actually, in, that's super interesting, but just isn't explored as well as it could be in the script. Yeah, well, I I feel like it really was split into two movies where you had. I mean, it's it's quite literally split at the intermission, which I, by the way, I thought that was really cool to see. Um, an intermission in a movie. I think that's the second time I've seen an intermission, other than like the Hateful Eight. I think mm-hmm. I haven't seen many old movies. Um, you should watch RRR. That also has an intermission. Perfect. That's a very new movie. Let's watch intermission movies. Um. Oh, where was I going? Oh, yeah, but it's it's basically split into her rise to fame and then her love life with uh, Nikki. 
And um, the thing is, in the second half, her her the aspects of her life from the first half, in terms of like her family, her the show business, and her coworkers or whatever, literally have nothing. They have very very little to do with the second half. Like a ton mm-hmm. of those characters are just dropped straight up. Um, and the only thing that really carries into the climax is that she she's more successful than Nikki at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in a way, I feel like you could cut a lot of the first part because the climax really has nothing to do with, it. especially because the the in the first part of the movie, the success isn't really fought for. There's no real conflict there. She just kind of stumbles upon success mm-hmm. multiple times in a row, and it's mostly just set up for Nikki as well, even though the setup isn't that great because he's in like the first hour and a half, he's only in actually like 15 minutes of it. Maybe. Yeah. I think, or or maybe, maybe longer. I don't know. I think the more I talk about it, the more I think this movie is a movie that could be, it could be rewritten to be really good because essentially what you have in the, even in the structure of the movie, here's another way you could rewrite this movie in the structure of the movie. The first half is like all about her meteoric rise to fame and how she doesn't exactly come from nothing, but comes from pretty close to nothing and becomes like the biggest star. And at that time, Nikki, even though he actually isn't the biggest, like the biggest star, he kind of feels like he has it all by comparison because he just like walks up to her and he's like, I'll give you a show here. I'll negotiate one right now. And like gets her her first gig basically. And like, he can just do that. He doesn't he doesn't care. He just comes in and he's like, let's just do this, whatever. But then by the end, he's in the place where she was at the beginning, where she, he has like, he has no idea what his future is going to be. He basically, like, as much as he has, he actually kind of has nothing. And like, he needs to move on. So like, you have sort of this role reversal by the end, which also is not explored in this movie beyond a surface level, where, you know, if you were to take this script and really rework it, I feel like there's a lot of interesting angles you could take with this movie. And that's just one of them. Yeah. Well, I for sure feel like, uh, I did like how I was really expecting him to, to be conning her the whole time or, Mm -hmm. uh, being secretly like a very evil person, but I liked how he was actually, I mean, he wasn't, (laughs) this definitely wasn't a paragon of virtue, but, um, he, uh, how do I say this? He, he never, I would say he never treated her very poorly. He was just kind of a victim of his own, um, of his own job, basically. Like, I would, yeah. I, I, I struggle to say obsession, but like, I don't even know if he like truly enjoyed gambling. It was just more like, it's tough because that, that was how he built his life, you know? Yeah, And I think it would have kept working for him if he actually hadn't gotten married because I think, because they, they reference it a couple times where like before if he lost money in like a bad deal, no one would ever hear about it. But then yeah. because he married such a famous person, I think everyone hears about how he's struggling and it probably makes things worse for him because they know he's like in a disadvantaged spot and everyone knows he's kind of a con, con artist almost, right? Yeah, I mean, like, he built his entire life around not needing stability. And then when he introduces the stability of marriage or, like, the, I don't know even about stability, just, like, 
he can't move. He's in a commitment. And like, if he has to take on a commitment that goes against everything he's done in his life to like avoid that. Yeah. And, uh, which I think it was like an interesting conflict. I, I was, cause when they first married, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like he doesn't care about her at all. She's just, she's crushing like a schoolgirl, and he's going to take advantage of her. But, uh, I guess he never did that. Oh, well, like yeah. when I, I was thinking about it during the, when I was describing the movie, it's, it's quite honestly very similar to a star is born too. Mm-hmm. Um, where, uh, we did, did we talk about this already? I think we've talked about it. Because like, I know she was pieces. in A Star is Born. But, but like, um, we haven't... I know I've mentioned it a lot because I am fascinated with those movies. But, like, I don't think we've ever done a specific episode on A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the, the plot is, honestly, in a lot of ways, exactly the same, where he helps her become famous through his connections. And then her fame uh, becomes too much for him. And she outpaces him and then he gets jealous. And I mean, in this case, the, the ending was a little happier. Um, Star is born, he kills himself, right? That's how it goes. Um, at least in the newest one. I don't yeah, know okay. how I don't know how much each star is born is the same. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's I, I feel like it's almost like a timeless tale, you know, where especially like I, I feel like in a movie in that time, like uh, for a woman to be making much more money or supporting the family or whatever compared to the man, the man would be like extremely embarrassed. You know, I feel like nowadays, like I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really mind. <laughs> I feel like a lot well, of like, guys wouldn't mind that, <laughs> but I think it was it definitely was, a different environment, a different a mental process. I think it's a little bit of a shame that that theme doesn't come up a little more because it's definitely there. Like, in the end, you see how Nicky Arnstein is, like, he knows he shouldn't be humiliated by it, but it really hurts his ego a lot. And, like, it becomes a main, a major conflict for him near the end. It's just, like, it kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere, and it shouldn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I never really, like, I guess, like, you have to read a lot more in between the lines. Like, they don't show you it but like obviously when you we first meet him he's a very prideful man and um he i guess i guess to have the person that you help become famous from nothing have to give you charity or whatever felt pretty Mm -hmm. bad for him you know so i kind of get that but yeah i I get what you mean where (laughs) it, it comes so late in the movie without much setup that like it feels very off especially because i i i never really knew when I was surprised because when I thought Barbara Streisand or sorry, Sally, Fanny Bryce, Fanny Bryce, she quits her job to marry him and go to Europe with him for a bit. And then she comes back um, and they don't introduce, I was really like caught out of nowhere with how successful she actually was. You know, I thought she was, she was relying on him and that's why he was struggling a lot. But then it, when she started paying for stuff for him, then I realized, oh my God, she actually is extremely rich right now. Um, Yeah. She just like gets, she's big enough that she can get a show whenever she wants, basically. Yeah. um, Which was like, cool. I just like, I, I I feel like that aspect was skipped over too. Again, because they were, they were basically throwing away her career aspects for the, the relationship stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, 
And again, like it would have been nice to have a scene of them actually talking, but again, it's kind of the cheat code for this movie where the point was they never talk. They don't know each other. Yeah. They don't know what each other want. They're just, they both believe they were in love, but they aren't. Um, so well, I, mean, I, I don't know. It's, but, it's, but that's the thing is like, they both believed they were in love, but I think they were like, I mean, they, they felt, they really did feel for each other by the end. It's just, like, you know, um, their I, well, lives weren't compatible. I feel like I interpreted the last, like they just admired each other a lot, but I feel like they never really look. Cause like the last thing he says to her is like, goodbye, funny girl or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, I almost interpreted that as like, he really loved that she was funny and that she was different. <laughs> different and quirky but she never he never really like loved her as a person you know because it felt like she was never truly herself around her either him either you know like when in that last scene when they're actually talking that's the only time it truly felt like they connected in terms of they understood the other person completely Mm -hmm. and that was when they were breaking up because that was like the only time or the only real time I felt like she was actually being like serious with him. And uh, like, I remember that she had a really good line at the end where she's like, um, like I cried when you went, like when they broke up or had a break or whatever, I don't know what they were on. She's like, I cried about it. Um, I mourned it, blah, blah, blah. But I never actually thought about it. Right. And like literally just seeing him again once made her realize like, it's so different. I never really like loved him as a person. She just loved that he was attractive. He was rich. He was like adult and like serious, you know, and then the opposite of her. And he was never around. Opinion. And he so was she never only around. Saw, like, yeah. I mean, so she only saw him on his best behavior for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's like, I think when she ran off too, like she was running off, uh, and quitting her job and going with him to Europe without even knowing him that much just because she loved the idea of him. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, that's my that's my personal theory. That's how I interpreted it. No, that's... Um, uh, which is I... why the last conversation was so quick because I think when they both were given space, space they both realized they never truly loved each other. No, that makes sense. I uh, I hadn't thought about it like that. I, I'm on, I I thought about it while we were talking about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it during the movie. Um, yeah, I like I did like that was kind of funny how he says goodbye, Fanny. But I realized like you're still that daughter's father. You know, like you got to see her again. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like a very final answer. But I was like, okay, what about you know like visitation hours or maybe you would I don't know give some child payments on. Maybe they didn't do that back then. I, I have no idea. But, uh, well, yeah. I don't know the full history, but I'm sure that, like, if they, w- when they broke up, I'm sure that there was a lot more behind the scenes because, like, nothing ever ends, like, in a movie. There's always paperwork afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely saw each other in court later. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Um... So, I said we were going to sideline Omar Sharif, and, like, we ended up talking about him a lot. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to say about... How did you think of this as, like, Barbara Streisand's debut? 
Um, I thought it was really like I for straight from the bat, they do a great job of that. I really saw what the audience saw in terms of what made her so unique, right? Where she's mm-hmm. she's so quick witted and she's very improvisational. Um, especially I feel like like they were talking a lot at the start about women's looks and stuff and that she didn't have to look uh but she really set her herself apart from from the crowd right i feel like i don't know i feel i don't know much about back then but i feel like there weren't like comedy for especially for women wasn't very um popular um but like even without context like she felt like a very big breath of fresh air compared to all the other people she was performing with basically yeah i mean like I don't know how much this means because I don't know that many people from the 20s and 30s, but I can name one woman comedian from back then, and I can name three male comedians. So again, it's not much, but like, (laughs) I know uh, there's three guys that I can think of off the top of my head, and I can only think of one woman. Yeah. I I mean, even today, like, I feel like there's a lot of... uh, funny women but uh, for some reason society doesn't really see it that way but like in, in this movie I, I could instantly feel like it was a very natural comedy to her that's why like I, mm-hmm. I thought she was great for the role because this wasn't like it didn't feel like someone was bumbling or like acting silly like she just was a very naturally silly person and it yeah. flowed on screen very easily yeah it yeah I mean that's you hit the nail on the head. Like this movie just felt so natural for her. Like she, she disappears into that role, but like the role also disappears into her. Like you could tell me that this isn't even a movie about Fanny Bryce. It could be a movie about Barbara Streisand. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like they are synonymous. Yeah. Um, and her dialogue was great too. I, I love that last scene where, Uh, I mean, this was kind of the peak of how she was showing that it was, or a lot of the funny girl persona was like a stage thing where um, she was confronted by the reporters and uh, they were asking her a lot of heavy questions and she had some great responses where she was, she was like making puns and like rhyming things and with her answers. It was really impressive. Um, Yeah, like... There's the one where they were like, they say he might go to jail for the next, for a few years. And she's like, well, at least I'll know where he'll be every night. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. It was written really well. Um, And then I think I love that scene because when that one person asks her that question of, do you still love him? And it really catches her and you can, it's like, it was like watching like a, like glass break where it was instantly like, you could see right through her. And you could see that, yeah. uh, like, the funny girl is very much... I mean, she's funny in, like, her regular life, but it's it's a persona at times. And it's mm-hmm. a part of her, but um, it's not, you know, something she can always keep up, right? Like, there's there's a mask. There's a layer... There's a level of a mask going on there. Yeah, the, the line that gets her is a reporter says, like, do you still love him? Uh, do you still love him, Miss Bryce? And she mm-hmm. says, it's Mrs. Arnstein to you. Yeah. But she never answers the question. Yeah. The, the, the that's when she, which was yeah, really she cool. just leaves. Yeah. Um, and they kind of show it too with, uh, 
what was that scene with uh, who who was the famous play play director? Uh, like Florence Florence Ziegfeld. Florence Ziegfeld. Ziegfeld. Um, there's that scene where he's asking her to say lines, sing lines about how she's beautiful, and it felt like she literally she literally could not say that and believe it because she doesn't mm-hmm. she has very little self worth in my from what I can tell. Um, so she would rather. That's why she likes to be funny because she uh, she's just hiding the fact that, or she she tries to tell herself she's beautiful. Um, she won't believe it, and she doesn't think anyone mm-hmm. else would believe it too. Which is why, oh, that's another thing because she, she, the end of the movie, she tells Nikki that you made me feel beautiful, and that's another reason why she really had like such a big thing for him because I feel like her dating him made her. She was like, I'm dating a beautiful man. <laughs> like a very so like I must be beautiful as as a result. And that was like her way of coping with that. Right. But yeah. Um is is that was that guy real, by the way, that play that playwright or Yep. Florence Ziegfeld Florence was a real Ziegfeld. person. Was he played by himself in the movie? No, no, he oh, okay. was he was very dead by the time oh. this movie came out. <laughs> oh yeah, I wasn't thinking that. I was like a long time ago. He was, I actually uh, really liked his character, though. Yeah, he was he was good, and like, yeah, I, he was uh, uh, he was played by Walter Pigeon, who did awesome in the role. I like how, like, at one point she the same scene you're talking about, she ruins his stage show, and he like takes her aside and chews her out for it, and is like, "You better do that exactly the same tomorrow and yeah. every day from now on," because I hate it. But it got laughs, so yeah. like we gotta do it now. Yeah, that's a cool line. Here, here reminds me a lot of like a ton of Walt Disney too. I don't yeah. know if that was on purpose, but I like he could have been Walt Disney, and I I probably wouldn't have noticed like if he was talking about Mickey Mouse or something. He had a very similar voice and like um, composure, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. Walt Disney would have seen this movie. I think. I think he was still alive. Uh, I think he might have died like right before this. When did he die? I think he died in sixty six. Oh, he did. He died sixty six. Yeah. Okay. So he would not have seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a tiny chance Hopefully he might not. have seen the play. Probably Maybe. not. Yeah, unless he's actually frozen. So never. Mind. Um. So, I guess like one last thing, just because I remembered it and kind of wanted to comment on it. What do you think of the directing of this movie? Did you have any thoughts on it? I don't like it wasn't really immaculately like it looked nice but nothing about it really stuck out to me right in my opinion it was like so like for the most part yes but there's some very strange choices they make in this movie that I'm just like I don't they're interesting and they stand out but I don't know why they did them because they're like they're unconventional, and I don't think they help the movie. Specifically, the one I'm thinking about is there's a um, there's a song called I think it's "You Are Woman, I Am Man." Maybe um, it's the one where she goes on a date with Nikki Arnstein, and she like and like he takes her to a special room where they're gonna get a special like dinner, and there's a bed in the room, and that she starts thinking about the implication. Scene, yeah. 
Yeah. And like <laughs> yeah. during that scene, probably half of her lines are sung, but in her head, where so she's not actually speaking them. Yeah, I noticed that too. And like, I don't know how I feel about that because I think one thing this movie definitely did well that I really appreciated is it as much as it is a musical, very much so, unapologetically so, it didn't feel like a musical the way a lot of other musicals do. Like, let's compare this to Into the Woods. The scene where Cinderella is on the is, is on the um is on the stairs and she's like dealing with the fact that she's just gotten stuck in some tar or something. She like that's all takes place in her head, but the way that's portrayed is that time stops and she gets free reign to like walk around and dance around and do her whole thing. So it's all in her head. You know it's all in her head, but she's like singing the lines live and she's like mm-hmm. walking around and doing her whole thing. In this, any any lines that are actually sung that are sung by the person with their mouth are sung diegetically. Like no songs happen that don't happen in the wor- in the world. So like when she's talking to Nikki Arnstein in that scene, like they're both singing, but like anything that she's just thinking doesn't she doesn't actually sing that happens like that's ADR'd in which is an interesting choice and I think that ultimately it contributes to making this movie feel less like I want to say feel less like a musical but the way that I mean that is like feel less like a musical in the bad way where it's like oh this just feels like any other musical like it feels unique because of that but also it's such a weird choice in the moment because it's so obvious when it happens. And like the way that she, like the way it happens is very clunky the way that's put in. And I was watching it and I was like, that's super weird. Why did he decide to do that? Yeah, I I don't, well, I guess that was more of, that was an internal monologue, I guess. It was. Yeah. So like, I, I get what you mean, though. It, it it felt very... I think that's the only time they do it, too, right? I think so. So it felt very out of nowhere. Um, and it did kind of take me out of it for a bit. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, too. Like, I, I did like... That's why I think it added... Like, it's going to sound mean, but I think it added a certain level of, like, legitimacy to the movie. Mm-hmm. Where, like, sometimes with musicals, like, I feel like they focus more on the songs and the plot. And it's, like, a subconscious thing where I feel like I just don't consider it like like a uh, a critically great movie if that makes sense um i think i get what you're saying yeah like uh well i can't well i i yeah i, I think a musical has a tougher time being cons- taken seriously um so i i, I kind of like how they it was interesting how they made took a very very grounded approach um to that but i but yeah i i feel like directing wise it doesn't like the director's just kind of giving himself less to do really because the scenes weren't really shot or like done very like interestingly the only one i really thought was visually cool was like the end one where um you think she's about to go on stage but then instead it just kind of everything turns black and it was just kind of like the world becomes a, a stage yeah exactly like i thought that was interesting where uh you weren't sure it, it felt like she was singing out to an audience um and like or she was out of them i don't like, i don't know how to interpret it but it was that was like the only visually interesting one the others were just kind of like like that the never the music never really clicked for me either 
don't know, were there I any think, songs you really liked? Um, personally, I liked a lot of them in the moment. I don't remember a lot of them that well. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think as we're talking about it, I think this movie, the directing isn't really anything to write home about, but at the same time, I think this movie was translated, was translated from a Broadway musical into a, into a movie really well, because even the directing choices we just talked about that were weird or stood out, they stood out because they specifically weren't very musical. Yeah. At least not the way that the rest of the movie was. Like it felt much more like a movie first with occasional songs, but they, they were more like kind of like character beats rather than like actual songs, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if this, like any of them even had like a chorus or like anything like that, you know, it was kind of a freestyle kind of song for what I can um, remember. Uh, I mean, I'd rather be Blue Over You. That definitely had a chorus. I don't remember that song. Oh. <laughs> no. I saw it yesterday. Um, I can't really remember it. Even that's not like, even that long. I can't remember any of the songs. The only other directing choice that really, really stood out to me that I thought was... I thought it was really funny, so that's why it's okay. But it was like, I don't know how he got away with it. This movie starts with four minutes of a black screen. I was going to say, yeah, that was, I don't know if that was a creative choice or was that something movies did before? Like, so that was, I uh, very think, confusing, yeah. so I think that all the directing choices we've talked about have been specifically in service of translating this from stage musical right. to movie. Because that, the one where yeah. you're talking about at the end, like the one you're talking about at the end where like everything sort of fades around her and she like, is still presenting as if she's on a stage, but she's not on the stage in the movie. In a in a Broadway play, that would be where, you know, she's about to go on to the fake stage that they have on stage, but she actually just goes onto the real stage and sings to the real audience. This is the part where she's not breaking character, but sort of breaking the fourth wall in a subtle way where it's like, you're the audience she's singing to now for the first time. Okay. And like, so like, I think that's the choice that's happening there. And the overture, I think, is also a musical based choice because of like a real musical that you would go and see on stage would have like a lot of them will start with a long overture that may or may not have anyone on stage, but it's just like a small sampling of all of the different songs that are going to come up. And like, that's done in this movie as well. It's just that they also take the part like the way that would normally be done in the movie in a movie or the way I would expect it to be done in a movie is they play the overture during like the opening title sequence where there's, you know, a lot of images to set the, set the scene, but there's not any characters on screen yet on this one. They just like, they don't have anything. First off, they just start with a black screen and the overture. And then when yeah. the overture is done, they kind of play another overture over the titles yeah, which is was... a weird choice. An interesting one. I still remember it, and it's <clears throat> it's like a hell of a way to start a movie because it seems so, like... I was watching it, and I was like, why did they do this? Did my... Am I watching nothing right now? Am I accidentally listening to a CD? What's happening? Yeah, I thought that but was... But it makes uh... an impression, and it's really funny. 
It's definitely bold. And it feels like yeah. something sounds stupid. It feels like something Tarantino would do just to be pretentious or whatever. But in this yeah, movie, actually, know, a little bit, yeah. Right, like it, it. It does seem kind of interesting that they did that, though. Like, um, like I wouldn't mind seeing it more. Movie, like I like the um, I like the idea of kind of letting the score settle in, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of like slowly. Like it'd be cool if, like for example. Um, I mean, I guess that's where your time modem plays, where like you're going to your seat and it's kind of like you're slowly entering that world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Rather than watching trailers, like you get a taste of the score and then maybe that score comes back later in the movie, you know. Um, so yeah, I think, it, it's, if you think it's an interesting concept. If you think about it, it's a little bit like the Aerosmith rock and roller coaster at Disney World, where they start by playing a lot of Aerosmith at you. And then you finally get right in front of the roller coaster and they show you the band, but then you get on the roller coaster and it's a dark ride. And the first part of it is just dark, but with some Aerosmith music. Yeah. And it's, and then what, what's the right when you exit the tunnel, it's like crazy stuff. Well, when you get into the tunnel, it's like a bunch of Hollywood neon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's, it's like, it's built up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I skipped it, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I did. I it's, can't remember, but you know, it's like it's an interesting. It's a non-conventional choice in a movie, a visual medium, to start by not even giving you any visuals to like set the tone. It's like entirely setting the tone with the music before it even gives you an image of New York City. Yeah, um, which was like it was. It was clever. I um, well, I was gonna say something. I I uh, if I didn't know the movie was that long, I wouldn't have skipped it. If that makes sense. Like I I liked it, mm-hmm. but I saw it two and a half hours, and I was like, I'm not sitting through this right now. But hey, if if it was back then, I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought it would have been way better. I think it would have been more interesting. I I kind of want to see yeah. like a modern movie do that. Actually, like I'd love to see a. A Star Wars, I think Star Wars would be great for that or something where you just have, you walk in and it's like two minutes of just Star Wars, like, like slowly, the music slowly building into the, you know, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, They'll never do it, you know. But well, but I'd like to see that, like, because I feel like, I feel like if you were to go to this movie in a theater... It would feel like if you went to this movie in a movie theater, so like in a cinema, it would feel like you're in, it would, it simulates the experience of being in a non-movie, like play theater really well. Yeah. I don't know that for sure because I watched it on Netflix and like, I would love to go see it in an actual movie theater and see if that's true. Of course. No, yeah. I think this, this is actually a movie that even though it's like a, you know, a romance, um, movie which aren't really much like you don't really see in theaters nowadays this is a movie i uh, i actually would love to go see in like an old-fashioned theater or whatever i think it really has the experience mm-hmm. um yeah no it's uh it's cool but yeah i i like i don't think this director was anything special this was like this was very I mean, this was also very much like a play in that the this was an actor's movie where like this was barbara streisand's movie it was up to her whether it was good or not um, the camera was always pointed at her. It was always her point of view. Like it had to, she was the only one that could make this movie work. Um, and she did. 
I just, you know, I think the only, like, I just wish it was shorter because I feel like some of the, because they didn't delve into things further enough. I think if they were going to keep it this surface level, they could have cut like a good 20 minutes off this movie. Um, I, uh, I just want to point out that you called William Wyler the director of Ben-Hur. Uh, well, now I feel stupid. <laughs> well, I haven't, okay, I haven't seen Ben-Hur, so maybe I'll watch it. And it's not even that good. Has he, has he done no, anything but like, else that's good? Uh, he did Wuthering Heights. He oh, did dude, The Best ahead. Years yeah. of Our Lives, Mrs. Miniver. He did a lot of things. He's a huge Hollywood director. I'm sure he's great, but I didn't like him. <laughs> no, but like... Or he I, was fine. He like, was fine in this movie. I didn't. I didn't. I think feel... this movie. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think like when we're talking about the directing for this movie, I think I kind of agree that for the most part, it was nothing special. Which, like, for what it's worth, already puts him in the upper echelons of directors because, like, if it was something special because it was bad, that would have been way worse. But like, I think he made. I think he made some really interesting choices that like worked and didn't work, which is why I have such a, which is why it's so weird for me to think about this because I didn't like see like all of the things we talked about. I don't think I liked them in the moment, but when I think about it, it's like, no, I see what he was going for. And like, yeah, I can fully understand what he's going for. So for a little, for like in, in some respect it worked, but not fully. Yeah, I I felt the same way. Like I, I I didn't really feel truly invested in this movie in like uh, the last like forty minutes or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very slow movie, but like I think that's the, the the good thing is that it ends well, in my opinion. Like it, for the most part, ends like on a pretty interesting note. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there was there was interesting. He he must love plays too because there was there were a lot of extended play uh, scenes that I feel like weren't necessary. If that makes sense. Um, Gonna cut some stuff off there, but they were very well directed. Like I loved all mm-hmm. the. I don't know if he was just stealing stuff from other plays. He probably was, but he could direct a play very well. It looked better than a. Uh, I don't know the Hamilton. How they filmed Hamilton was terrible. But, you know, I mean, obviously. <clears throat> well, I mean, how they filmed Hamilton was also. Hamilton is very much a stage show, yeah. and like. I'm sure the movies in the uh, the shows they were showing in this were probably stage shows too, but they were designed to be in a movie. So like, yeah, they're yeah. going to look a lot more cinematic. They wanted the pure experience for Hamilton. Um, so out of 10, what would you give this movie? Uh, it's probably like a 7.5. 7, 7.5, I think. Yeah. Like, I think I'd... Interesting. Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was going to say it's interesting... A lot of interesting ideas. Um, could have been shorter. I think shorter and sweeter would have been better. That's really it. I think like, yeah, I think I'd mostly agree. I'd give it a strong seven. And like, I say that with, I guess the caveat that like, the more I think about this movie, the more I like the aspects of it that I like. Like the parts of this movie that hit are really good. The parts of it that aren't as good are just like kind of forgettable. Which is why I don't think it's a, I don't think it's great. I think it's very good. And I think it's like, yeah, again, the parts of it that are really good are really good. But like, as a movie, it's like fine. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe 
if um if I was to see this like the the thing is like I feel like I've seen this movie before mm-hmm. a few times so like it definitely doesn't hit as hard but I, I I bet back then like it was a very I don't know unique movie and probably it very possibly influenced a lot of movies uh, mm-hmm. nowadays so yeah especially like I I think I don't know why I I feel like the was it the 60s? I, I feel like the 60s was a relatively positive time in movie making, right? Um, and this movie ends on a very sad note, in my opinion. Actually, I don't know, because the 60s is like... The was 60s it the 60s when... or what, the dark? Yeah, this was the... Because there was the golden age. The 50s was the golden age, right? And I feel like movies were just ending. Or maybe I'm thinking about comic books, honestly. Maybe I'm thinking about comic books. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you're definitely thinking about comic books. Yeah, okay. Because I know the 50s and 60s, I think in comics, were a lot brighter and hap- like they had a lot of happy endings. So I, I might be confusing. But uh, like, too. that's probably... My impression is that that's generally true for like media, pop culture in general at the time. Because I'm also thinking like the 60s is when we started to get a lot of revisionist westerns, which like... Revisionist Western is has has a very long, cumbersome definition, but like basically it's westerns that are sad, that are like really sad, because that's where you get things like all the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, and like yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly is like it's pretty bleak, at least by comparison to something like an old John Wayne movie. And, like, I, I don't know much you know, about John Wayne. I, I haven't seen any of those movies, honestly. I know Western. Obviously. I know the Clint Eastwood was kind of like that was like the end of the Western era, right? Where I think he put yeah. a twist on the genre, kind of, but it was like that was like the last twist. It was like on its last legs, basically. Yeah, because like in like I think one of the notable things. I don't know if this was actually notable at the time because it probably wasn't the first movie to do it. But I remember my dad like really pointing out in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the good guy wears a white hat. And the bad guy wears a black hat. But unlike in other movies where that's the case, the guy wearing the white hat is kind of a piece of shit. And the guy wearing the black hat also, arguably he's more of a piece of shit, but there are occasional moments where he shows that he does care about a person once. And so it's like, you get that tiny bit of moral ambiguity, which actually it like, that's how I describe it. But in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, like, all the characters are really, really well-done portrayals of moral ambiguity. Because Clint Eastwood's character is awful, but he's the good the, he's the good guy. Lee Van Cleef's character is barely, arguably, more awful. But he's, like, the only person who cares about other people. And then there's the other guy who's just there for fun, who also sucks. But he's arguably the best character just that he's also arguably the Mexican character and therefore by definition bad. Yeah, it's a, it was a very morally gray look at, and I guess, re, yeah, you know, exactly and what like, you said, a, a relooking retake of the genre. And like, I don't think we could call Funny Girl really that morally gray, <laughs> but it's a lot more, but like, it is a lot more in that vein than being like, exclusively upbeat it ends on a sad note it's a tragedy more than well, yeah, it is a, I, like it's it's a comedy I, but it's like a shakespearean tragedy i liked how 
neither side was, in my opinion, neither side was really wrong and neither side was really right. They just, mm-hmm. they, they were young and made, made some decisions that they realized that didn't age very well, I guess. And that was really it to it. Like, you know, there was no yeah, true it's... betrayal. There was no true like fight or argument. It just kind of ended. It's a surprisingly nuanced relationship and it doesn't have to be. It just is. Yeah, which I, th- I think it, uh, I think that helps it age very well too. Like this feels like a very relevant movie equally now as it would back then. Again, yeah. other than for the intermission and the, <laughs> the, the four minute <laughs> intro. Other than that, I, I feel like you could watch this or you could remake this movie like shot for shot. And it would probably still be a very good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's funny, girl. We did it. We've oh. seen Barbara Streisand. We did. I kind of want to see more of her now, honestly. That was a very interesting movie. I mean, honestly, like, there's a lot in her filmography I want to talk about. And, like, eventually, you know, if it's convenient, we can just return to Barbara Streisand again with, like, anything on here. I really, like I said earlier, I really at some point want to talk about A Star is Born. But, like, I want to talk about A Star is Born the way you wanted to talk about Apocalypse Now. Like, I want I want it to be, like, a very... I have a very specific things I want to say about that movie. And I want to, yeah. like, do it right. Yeah. I mean, it's what's been done five times now? Uh, four times as A Star is Born. At least twice in India. And it's technically based on a different movie. Oh, okay. Well, I'll see. So, like, there are eight total arguable art adaptations of a star yeah. is born yeah. minimum yeah it's possible there That's could be crazy. more that just like never made it big <laughs> you could do a whole series on, <laughs> on a I star mean, is born at that point behind the scenes i did actually pitch to you a series entirely on a star is born yeah you did you did <laughs> uh i don't um, know if i could do well we'll later. see we'll see we'll see yeah it's a table i have a lot of discussion. We, we've got a lot of ideas that are not fully fleshed out yet. For sure. Um, yeah, um, what's, uh, what's our next movie? Our next movie is um, probably going to be way too late. We're going to talk about Don't Worry, Darling, and uh, probably also Barbarian at the same time. I noticed uh, you, you were recently on an episode of ContraZoom, and I, I, I listened to it, and at the end you were like, but I'm hoping we can talk about Don't Worry, Darling and Barbarian as well. And like, look at that. We're going to do both of them. Perfect. So what's the last word, Pierre? Barbara. Barbra- Barbrary. <laughs> Barbarian Streisand. <laughs> That's not a word. 